Thank you for joining us today on 15 Minutes to Impact, the podcast that gets right to the point on association marketing. I'm MGI's Senior Relationship Director, John Sample. Our topic today is certainly timely. We're talking about promoting virtual events. I'm joined today by MGI's Senior Account Director, Jana Sable, and MGI's Vice President of Digital Services, Todd Michaels. Thanks for being here, guys. Hi there. Thank you for having us. Sure. John, thanks for having us today. Sure thing. If there's one singular gut punch that COVID has delivered to every association, it's the inability to hold in-person meetings and events. Our annual benchmarking research always identifies networking with others in the field and attending conferences and trade shows as top reasons members join associations. So it's clear, associations have to find a way to deliver these crucial experiences to their members, and for the immediate future, they need to do it in a virtual format. So guys, the theme of our conversation today revolves around what successful associations are doing differently in promoting their virtual events than they did promoting in-person events. Sure, I can go ahead and get us started here, John. You know, I think this year has certainly presented us um, with new challenges, but I think a lot of associations um, have really um, made the most of it and really took action immediately. Um, You know, when this first happened in March, Uh, You know, what we were seeing was a lot of associations who were forced to go virtual um, with very little time to think about the format of their meeting. Um, They were just kind of making it happen. Um, And I think that's great. The the quick response of associations was wonderful. Um, But as the this pandemic has continued and the necessity for virtual events continues for, you know, we don't know how long. Um, I think associations now are really starting to get a better handle on it, a better understanding of what their meetings are going to look like, and have really started to, to plan for a virtual meeting. So I think, you know, what we've seen is some really successful events. I know initially a lot of people I've heard from different associations are, you know, this won't work for our conference. We need to be in person. You know, we couldn't do this online. But what we're seeing across a lot of associations that we work with are they are working and they're working very well. Um, And so, you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about today is they are working. So what sort of marketing um, and really focus on online marketing to get people to start attending and get excited about these virtual events. Yeah. And, you know, it's very easy to say that, you know, by definition, a virtual event should have some sort of online advertising to go with it because it's all kind of, you know, taking place in the digital space. Um, You know, and one of the great things about digital marketing is you can get it up and going very quickly, um, you know, and it's been an effective channel in the past for physical conferences and it has also proven, to be effective here for virtual conferences. But, you know, to Jana's point, you know, when we first kind of all started retreating from our offices back to our to work in our homes and, you know, our association clients had to make that pivot from a physical conference to a virtual conference, particularly for our clients that had, you know, conferences that were supposed to happen inside of two months. Um, you know, very quickly had to move to a virtual event and then we also had to very quickly get campaigns up and going. Um, But the good thing was, you know, a lot of the things that held true before for physical conferences, you know, a lot of those good practices still worked and online, we just had to make some tweaks and adjustments um, in some key areas, but we still found a lot of success. 
Well, tell me a little bit about the things that you have to do differently in terms of paid online marketing to promote a virtual event. Sure. Um, you know, we, we've certainly done a lot of online campaigns for physical conferences over the year here at Marketing General. Um, we know what the recipe for success looks like um, for a good mix online. Um, you know, reaching out to your past attendees is always a good tactic, whether it's physical or virtual. You know, remarketing, reaching out to people that visit your website. But, um, you know, if, if there's been a shift, and this also depends on the nature of your conference, I know there's some associations where you have to be a member in order to join the conference, and then there's some where you don't. And then some associations are also kind of loosening up these restrictions now that things are virtual. Um, you know, from my side of the fence, doing digital campaigns, um, you know, search campaigns are, are much more effective right now. Uh, for a virtual campaign than what I used to see for a physical campaign. And I think that has to do with the nature of what's happening. You know, people are still, even if they are a member, then, you know, maybe they're not going to your website or maybe they're not reading your emails. They are certainly turning to Google and searching for your association's conference, you know, because maybe, maybe if it's next year, they might be thinking, well, maybe we can do a physical or, you know, there still is uh, quite a bit up in the air. And, people's behavior is let's go to Google and find out. Um, whereas before, you know, with physical conferences, I mean, Google search could work, um, but it was generally kind of down my list of the things that I knew would work well. Um, so there has been more of a focus there. And, you know, there was a component of going to a physical conference where people, we always said would visit your website at least three or four times in order to say, okay, it's in San Diego. Um, you know, the conference itself is $1,500, you know, a hotel is going to be 500, a flight's going to be this. And they would have to kind of put the math together, go to a supervisor, get it approved, get the time, you know, and a lot of that is now cut out with the virtual conference. So there may not be as many touches coming into your website. So you kind of have to factor all of that in together when you're thinking about your channels, your tactics, and, and how you want to put this together. So, you know, reaching out to prior attendees is certainly a given. Um, first of all, you know, they have the behavior you're looking for, um, and they're probably also going to be more interested um, doing something virtual since they kind of know the game, so to speak, with attending your, your physical conference. And then you also want to make sure that you have um, some sort of paid efforts for the people that are also actively searching out and may not be coming right to your website. Excellent. Um, you, you know, so the tactics are a little more nuanced. How about the messaging? Has that changed? Yes. Um, yeah. And Janet and I were talking about this just the other day. Um, you know, in, in the past, you know, it was all about, a lot of it was the location, you know, and we know a lot of associations um, would run their conferences um, here in Orlando, where I am, or Vegas, or somewhere out in California, somewhere, you know, that was kind of a popular tourist destination, and you could factor that into your messaging, um, whereas now that's not so much of a selling point. Um Whereas, you know, certainly featured speakers, that was always something before um, that you wanted to get into the messaging. But I'm seeing with these virtual conferences that maybe the speakers, for lack of a better term, are more important when it comes to the messaging and maybe the messages that they are um, delivering at the virtual conference. Um, do you agree with that, Jenna? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, a lot of messaging um, for a typical in-person event, you would see messaging about things to do in the city or planning for, you know, what you'll do when you're there. Um, and so that's certainly changed a lot. And I think it goes back to, you know, what we all think we should be focusing originally is the, the point of the meeting, which is the content and the speakers. So maybe in a way, this, um, this shift is getting us back to, to focus on the meeting content itself and the importance um, of the meeting for the industry. Yeah. And I think, you know, if there's something that is... Uh maybe difficult for people to get across in the messaging, you know, we all know that almost everybody is going to a conference to network somehow, some way, whether they're networking to do business, um, you know, hoping to leave with a contract for someone or some object or just talking to other professionals in the field and, and sitting together in a breakout group and saying, you know, man, I just can't get my first year members to renew. What, what should I do? What are you doing? What am I doing wrong? Um, you know, and sitting down and having those chats around lunchtime. Um, you know, and it's, can, it's important to say that, you know, with your virtual event, we're, we're still doing this, you know, um, that there is going to be, you know, a little breakout session within the virtual event. And then you go into this virtual room and you guys can talk to each other and throw those questions out there. So, um, I do think it's important to focus on the fact that, you know, technology for this sort of thing is really built around networking and, and video chatting and talking. Um, so that is a big component that still needs to be pushed out in the messaging that it's still going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I would totally. Go ahead, oh, Sorry. I was going to say, you know, I totally agree. Even from, you know, the, the few virtual conferences that I've attended or checked out, um, you can tell that people are just still craving interaction. Um, you know, the chats during sessions are just nonstop. And, you know, people are looking for opportunities to connect. And your conference is still one of the primary ways for them to connect with other people in the field. So making sure that that is a component of your virtual conference, I think is huge. And I think making sure that you're marketing it that way and talking about it and, and give some information on what type of networking is there's going to be. Like Todd said, is there breakout rooms? Will there be Q&As with speakers? You know, whatever it might look like or, you know, regional meetings, just make sure you include that because it's certainly something people are really looking for right now. That's a great point. Is there something different that they should do in terms of the creative used in marketing these conferences? I mean, we focused on the messaging. What about the look and feel? What about the creative? Sure. I can go ahead and get started here on this one. I think, you know, very similar to where we started with messaging, um, with location, a creative, you know, it was very common that, you know, meetings in Miami would have images of South Beach. Uh, you know, if you're in Seattle, you have the Space Needle, you know, it was always looking at skylines, the hot spots, and, you know, that's no longer in play. You know, it's, it's a virtual meeting. And so it goes back to, okay, what do images look like? And, you know, I think up in the beginning, a lot of people were like, well, you know, should we be using images from past conferences where it shows large groups of people? Um, or, you know, should we really be focusing on kind of the, the singular um, sort of just someone sitting in a computer? And I think at least what I found in terms of some of that, um, the imagery is, you know, your own pictures that you have from past conference of, of your members still 
performs really well. I've been especially mindful to not show, you know, huge um, rooms where, you know, the, the opening keynote might be where you see thousands of people in a room. But if you have a group of people just sitting and networking, a small group smiling at the camera, those types of images still work incredibly well. I mean, that's what people want to see when they're scrolling through ads, um, you know, on Facebook is smiling people. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, that's huge. And I think one of the other things that's important to talk while we were talking about Facebook is, you know, Facebook always had some limitations on how much text could be on ads. Um, they were pretty strict about it. It had to be under 20%. Um, and quite recently, they have become a bit more lax on those. And they're and Todd can go more into the details here, but it's giving people an opportunity to test new creative in Facebook that they weren't able to do before. You know, items that have more text in it, things that might look more like a banner ad um, or really call out the dates or speakers. You know, you're able to do that now in Facebook um, that you weren't so much before. Um, so I'll let Todd, you know, he can certainly talk more of the technical details uh, on that. Yeah, I think with the virtual conferences, it is important to put a focus on creative. And by that, there needs to be a good creative mix. You know, Jenna touched on it. There's, yeah, you should still have two or three images of people having a good time, network, engaged from your past conference. If you have, you know, a good mix of easily recognizable speakers, a carousel ad in Facebook is not a bad idea. Those are, you know, the ones you can scroll through with your finger or what have you. It's, it's usually used for, you know, selling objects, shoes, um, if you're me, high-end audio equipment. And you just kind of look through all the different ones, you know, but you can use that with your speakers and have them, three or four of them, right in a carousel ad so that way they can kind of get the breadth and depth of who is speaking. Video ads, also very important. Um, you know, with the way technology is going and with all the tools out there, yes, you can upload a professionally shot video that, you know, kind of encompasses your last physical conference, or you can use one of the tools or services that are out there on the internet, put in five or six images that are animated and put text over them to where it is a video ad, but it's just images and, and text, but it's movement. You know, you want to increase engagement right now with virtual conferences and having a good mix of creative is going to do that for you. Well, that's great guys. Let's talk about timing. When should associations start their paid digital promotions for a virtual event? You know, it, that's other, that is also something that has changed quite a bit. Um, with the physical conferences, we all knew that about 90 days out, again, just me talking from the digital space, that 90 days out, we really had to start and promote the early bird discount offer. Um, again, because people had to book hotels, they had to do this, they had to do that. But, you know, if you can get more people to sign up the earlier, the better. We all know that. That has kind of gone away with the virtual events. Um, and we definitely see a big push in that last week. For everybody to sign up because they don't have those sorts of headaches and sorting out flights and this and that the other thing but that doesn't mean that you should wait until the last moment um, you really should start about 45 days out um, and I'll let Jana talk because I know she's worked on more that I'm still doing early bird offers 
and some of that. But for me on the digital side, you know, we still want to get out and plant the seeds in everybody's head as early as we can and get them coming to the website so that way we can stay in touch with them with our remarketing efforts. Sure. So I'm kind of happy to pick up there on what Todd was talking about in, in terms of uh, early bird. You know, what I saw and heard from a lot of people early on was getting rid of early bird deadlines. Um, I certainly, it wasn't something I'd recommend um, because if you go back to marketing basics, having some sort of date and a sense of urgency and a, and a deadline um, is always likely to increase your response rate. So my recommendation and people that I'm working with is to still have, whether it's an early bird deadline or some sort of deadline that you can push something to create that sense of urgency. And what I've found in clients that I'm working with who are doing an early bird deadline is that it still works and it's still working quite well. Uh, I was working with one group who had an early bird deadline that was about six weeks um, ahead of their virtual event. They were uncertain about how it would do because from what they've heard from similar organizations um, to theirs is that people were waiting to register to, you know, Todd said the week before or the day of. Um, and so they weren't sure how it worked, but they actually, leading up to their early bird deadline, hit their budget goal for the year um, for the meeting. And so, you know, six weeks out, they'd already hit their budget goal. Uh, and and now, you know, we are kind of in the advanced um, registration, if you will, similar to what you'd see with an in-person, and the registrations are still coming in. And, you know, from what we've heard from other groups, you know, we're still expecting to have that last week kind of push. Um, and even what we've heard from other groups and that we've seen is that with a virtual conference, people can really join at any time. So, you know, it could be the first day of the conference and they're on Twitter and they're following the hashtag and they see people talking about something and they're like, oh, wow, I maybe I should join this. And so they can, you know, just register and kind of attend the day of or the second day, which is not always something that you're able to do, you know, when you have to travel across the country or whatever it might be. So I think in terms of messaging, it's, it's something that you can really start, you know, as early out as you know, you want, I, for this particular meeting, we did start about 90 days out. Um, and it, it worked really well. And I would definitely recommend running those ads up until, you know, there's no need to stop leading up to the meeting. You know, sometimes people would have an advanced registration deadline that might be two weeks out and that registration shuts down because, um, and then it doesn't open to onsite. But I think where we're at with virtual meetings, it's, I, you know, keep registration open to the day that it starts and keep it open throughout the event because you never know what someone will see um, on social media or hear about that they might want to register. Yeah, and I'll add, you know, and it probably doesn't need to be said because it's obvious, but, um, you know, before you would have physical limitations with your conferences and with the virtual you don't, which is another reason to keep your ads running until even the day that it starts. Um, you know, we certainly got into some situations with physical conferences where we quote unquote did our job too well and they would either get sold out or we would get told, you know, cut it off because I can't take any more people. And obviously that problem goes away with the virtual so if your virtual conference starts on the 21st, keep running your ads through the 21st and then cut them off. Well, that's great advice. I, I guess the good news is that innovation is taking place and we're developing a playbook for successfully marketing virtual events. Any last thoughts, guys? I'll say the one thing I say on every podcast and every speaking engagement I make, um, take the time to invest in your conversion tracking. Um, 
you know, here at MGI, we, we spend a lot of time on that and it is really important, especially for your virtual conferences. You know, it, it, it's really important to see, you know, that you really did generate X amount of revenue off Y amount of spend. Um, because, you know, virtual conferences don't go away for a while. That is something you're going to need in your back pocket as a marketer to kind of figure out what to do for the next one. Great advice. Yeah, and I think, you know, the last thing for me is, you know, I think this is an opportunity to reach new audiences. And and I think the online marketing is makes it easy to do so. You know, I think what, you know, organizations should be doing is, you know, look at your competing associations or organizations. Are they having their meeting? Um, because if not, they could be looking for a meeting and your meeting could be the one um, that kind of, fills that need for them. So, you know, keep an eye on kind of your space um, in the association world and, and in the industry and see, you know, who's having meetings, who's not, and, you know, really try. And I think it's a great opportunity to really grow engagement with your uh, association and, and reaching new people and getting new people engaged in your annual event. Boy, that's great advice. Uh, this is the 12th episode of 15 Minutes to Impact, and we've been thrilled with the response. Todd, you might not know it, but the episode we did together on digital marketing in the COVID-19 era is the number one most downloaded episode so far. So, it's all you, John, not me. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't heard it, it's certainly <laughs> worth a listen. Todd, Janet, thanks so much for your help today. Thank you.